You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number 15. I'd like to uh, give us something here tonight that has been a help to me recently. I hope that it will be a help to you as well. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, He goes on to give a parable about a hundred sheep, uh, many sheep and one lost one and there was rejoicing when it was found and several coins and one was lost and was found and there was rejoicing the bible says in verse number five and verse number nine uh, that there's rejoicing and joy that took place there we end up in verse number 11 the bible says and he said a certain man had two sons verse number 12 and the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me And he divided unto them his living, unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. And is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. I'd like to give you a message tonight. I have two different titles. You can pick which one you'd like. The first one is Practical Tips from the Parable of the Prodigal Son. And if that's too difficult, here's another one. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity that I have to preach and to proclaim your word. I pray that you'd allow me to have wisdom as I preach. I pray that you would uh, help everything that's said to be heaven sent. I pray that you'd help me to have discernment and wisdom. I pray that we'd be able to gain wisdom and insight from your word that we can uh, use in our lives to challenge us, to encourage us in our Christian lives here today and throughout this week, throughout our lives. For we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I would like to hone in tonight on verse number 17. The Bible says... And when he came to himself. You know, I don't, I don't think that I've ever heard that phrase aside from the Bible in today's uh, diction, if you will, that somebody would look at somebody else and said, hey, he came to himself. Uh, so you might liken it to phrases today as uh, he woke up 
or you've, you've, uh, maybe uh, you grew up and uh, somebody comes over to you when you've been a mess, you've been a train wreck, and maybe they grab you and they shake you and they tell you, get it together, right? And uh, so we can, we can use those two words or those two phrases, if you will. But uh, regardless, I think something clicked and something happened that caused him to recognize and realize where he was at and realize and recognize that there was a change that needed to take place and that change took place. And because of that, I think we can use this in our lives as an application to evaluate where, where we're at currently and what we need to do to be challenged and renewed in our lives. The Bible says, and when he came to himself. I'd like to talk about this phrase and discover a few things that precede this statement, a few things that follow it as well. I'd like to say that it's time for some of us to come to ourselves. It's time for some of us to wake up here in the lives that we're living. He realized where, where he was. He remembered where he used to be, and he decided to do something about it. He woke up. You know, Brother Nathan is our youth pastor and our song leader, and uh, if you asked Lacey and Savannah several years ago, he's our copy man as well. And uh, they asked him, hey, what does Brother Nathan do at the church? And one of them said, he makes copies. And so if you're ever wondering, you know, we often wonder what does Brother Nathan do at the church? That's what he does. He's in the copy room. And if you'd like to switch his name tag from his office over to the copy room, that would be okay as well. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. He does a lot for the church, praise the Lord. And uh, we were driving home one night, and uh, it was uh, in the afternoon. It wasn't dark outside. It was probably 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I think that we were... I, I can't remember exactly what we were coming from. It may have been a, a football game that we had went to in Durham or in Raleigh or somewhere around that. But I remember coming down the back roads of Highway 158 from Interstate 85, and there's not a lot of scenery there. There's a lot of trees, amen, a lot of greenery. And as we're coming down those windy roads, I noticed that his eyelids started to close which wouldn't be an inherent problem except for the fact that he's the one that's driving the vehicle. And I'm a passenger in said vehicle, and my seatbelt is buckled, and I'm hanging on for dear life as this individual is getting some nap time on the way home. And uh, he's, he wasn't driving a Tesla that was self-driving. He was driving his Corolla. And uh, uh, as he began to fall asleep and close his eyes, I thought it'd be a great idea to wake him up. But you can't just say, wake up, because that doesn't have the same effect, right? And in hindsight, it probably wasn't the best idea, although we're both still here to talk about it. Well, I'm here to talk about it. He's in the teen room, amen, and his car's still in good shape. But as we're driving along and I notice his eyes begin to close, uh, I, I looked over and waited for the opportune time, and then I screamed, ah! And uh, he woke up, and he screamed as well, thought that maybe we were about to hit something or whatever else. But I'll tell you this, the rest of the way home, he was away. And so it accomplished what it had to accomplish. There was a college student that I recall was driving home, and he worked late at night, and uh, he was on his way home and was just a couple blocks away from the college, and he fell asleep when he was driving and ended up in somebody's house with his car and uh, because he had fallen asleep. I wonder where you're at in your life currently. Maybe some things haven't gone your way. Maybe some things have caused you to be in the position that you're currently in. Maybe some decisions you've made in the past 
have caused you to end up with the wrong company. Let me just say this emphatically, it's time to wake up. It's time to come to yourself. Whatever stage that you're in, it's time to wake up. I would like to first ask the question, how did we end up at this point where we're at tonight? How did this prodigal son in this parable end up in a place where he desired to eat the food that the pigs were eating? How did he start out this journey with so much and end up with so little? Here's a few things that I like to talk about that led the prodigal son to where he was. Number one, I go back to verse number 12 where maybe some of this uh, started. The Bible says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me. Does anyone else see a problem with this statement? Give me? How do we approach decisions that we make in life? You know, uh, this statement that says, give me, it just reminds me of the generation that we live in. And by the way, it's nothing new because it's back here when Jesus was preaching about it as well. So to say that the, the, the generation that's coming up is a give me generation or an entitled generation would be probably a mischaracterization because it happened in Jesus' time as well. But that idea of entitlement, that idea of that we're owed something, that somebody has something to give to us, I, I, I came up with the word uh, rapacity. I didn't come up with the word. I, I looked it up, and it was an R, so it, it matched what I was going along with. That word rapacity, and what does that mean? It means wanting things for yourself for your own consumption. Another way to say it is the word greed, but it didn't start with an R, so it didn't match my points. He was focused on himself. So again, if we look in hindsight to say, hey, you know what we know? He ends up feeding the pigs and desires to eat the husks that he's taking to them. And he's spit all. And then there's a famine in the land. And he's at this position in his life. And, and we look back and say, well, what has he done in his life to get to this point of some things that maybe I, I won't do, that I shouldn't do? And this rapacity comes to mind, this greed. The statement is, what's in it for me? Is that how we look at life today? When we're facing decisions, when we're facing problems, what can I get out of this? We hear the statement often that it's not fair. That seems to be a, a big statement, and I've made it before that my children rarely make that statement now. But if they do, they know what lecture is to follow. And uh, somebody may hypothetically have said it recently, and they said, it's not fair. And I said, well, do you want me to tell you what is fair? And then one of the other children said, here we go. <laughs> and I said, here's what's fair is that we all die and go to hell. That's what's fair. Everything else in life is a blessing. And if we look at life that way, if we don't look at life as, hey, what's in it for me and what can I get out of this? You know what, if we do that, you know what, there may be one day we end up in the pig pen. But you know what, if we look at life and say, hey, what can I give? Hey, God has given me so much. We are all blessed. If we just had salvation alone, we are blessed beyond what we deserve, beyond measure. What is your outlook on life? Everything that comes in life, that's a blessing, is a bonus. We're not owed anything. We don't deserve anything. You know, there's a song that came out in 1976, and the song was entitled, More, More, More. 
And there are those with the lyrics of the song, and it's, it goes on. Maybe some of you are singing it right now, but more, more, more. And you know what? That's how some people are living today. It's just more, more, more. And what can I get? And what can I accumulate? And what can be better? But that's not how the Christian should be living. What's owed to me? And what can I get? The Christian should be living to say more, more about Jesus. What can I do for, for Christ? You know what? For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. What's your focus here in this, in this life? Is it for your own consumption? Or is it to say, hey, what can I do to further the cause of Christ? This word rapacity, wanting things for yourself, for your own consumption or greed. Secondly, I see here in verse number 13, the Bible says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. The second thing that I see is he ran. He ran away. He took his journey not just into a country. The Bible says into a far country. He got away from the umbrella of authority of his father in his home. And the influences that he had. You know what? I don't know what caused him to have this. I know uh, uh, through experience and I know through the things that I've learned that there's going to come a point in a time, generally speaking, in the adult's life. And you say, how old is an adult? You know, at least 25, right, before you're an adult, because that's when they say your brain actually uh, is fully developed at that point. So everything before that is not an adult. But uh, at some point in the adult life, there's some moving away from the parents. And so there's some disconnect there, and there's some discussions that may take place, which is a natural progression of things. It just has to be done in the right manner. And I don't know what discussions or arguments or, or, or difficulties or trials that this individual faced that caused him to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take what's owed to me and I'm going to go to a far country away from my family, away from the father, away from my home so that I can be on my own and live it up, if you will. I'm not sure what exactly caused him. But you know what? Let me just say this. We need to be thankful for the authority that God has placed in our lives. For the accountability that God gives to us. You know what? Many times folks don't come back to church because maybe they feel embarrassed or maybe they feel ashamed of things that they've done. Maybe there's been some discussions. But that's the very place that they need to be is in God's house. You know, I've heard it often with some of the kids in Roanoke Rapids that have grown up that just says, I can't wait to grow up and get out of here. And they think that the, the grass is greener on the other side, like there's some big, great things. And, you know, uh, it, it should tell you something when you have the pastor is from California and the youth pastor is from California and, the, the, you know, all these folks are coming from California where everybody's like, I'm going to go to California, you know, well, what's there? And, uh, you know, what? I'm so thankful that I can go to the big cities whenever I want, but I don't have to live in it, amen? And I think my patience, having been out in the country, has become less because then I go to those cities and drive in the perceived traffic and I say, I'm so glad that I don't live here, amen? But uh, we went to the mall. My daughter was doing some shopping at Christmas time. And even to find a parking spot was frustrating. And, uh, you know, I was just like, I'm just going to find a place in the grassy area to park because there was nowhere else to park, and it's frustrating. But you know what? I'm glad that I don't have to live in all that. You know what? There's not something that's bigger and greater that's better out there that Roanoke Rapids doesn't have to offer. We can visit it and so on and so forth. But sometimes we think that. We think that, hey, you know what? If I move away from the problem, that it's going to solve it. 
and maybe things would be better. Maybe we've taken a journey far away from where we should be in our spiritual lives, with our families or with authority. I see the word rapacity, wanting things for yourself or your own consumption or greed. I see that he ran away. Next, I see here in verse number 13, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. The next thing that I find here is riotous living. Things that maybe we'll say, hey, these are practical helps of things that I don't want to do because this isn't where I want to end up. The Bible says that he wasted his substance. The Bible says in verse 14 that he spent all that he had. I don't think that it was his plan to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take all of these things and I'm going to waste them all. But that's the place where he ended up. I'm reminded of the statement that says, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will make you spend far more than you want to pay, and sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. When the devil's finished, he'll spit you out and leave you alone. He's not your friend. He's the enemy of the believer. And you know what? You have a lot of friends when you're out there and have all the money and you're spending it all. But the verse number 16, the Bible says at the end of that verse, no man gave unto him. So where did all that money go? Where did all the friends, where did all the popularity and the fame go when he had nothing else to give? They all went away. What areas of your life are you wasting right now with riotous living? Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your talents. Maybe it's your treasure that you're wasting with riotous living? What area of your life has maybe greed set in? And what areas of your life or maybe you're trying to run away from hoping that it will solve itself or get better by not dealing with the problem? Are there any areas in our lives that are uncontrolled or reckless or lived out in a riotous manner? Maybe it's with spending or with habits or associations. We see here an example of a few things that if you emulate these characteristics, this is where you could probably end up. But I'm so glad it doesn't stop there. You know what? These things may have influenced him to be the place that he was, but let's talk about how he got out of the situation. What happened when he came to himself? The Bible says in verse number 17, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants in my fathers have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? You know what, oftentimes I find that people remember the bad things and don't remember the good things. They'll remember adverse situations and adverse difficulties and, oh, I'm not going to that place because this person did that. Or when we think about an individual, the first thing that may come to mind is something that's negative. But you know what? We can remember the good as well. And let me encourage you to look for the good and to look for the positive in others. He remembers some good things about his household. You know, you think about uh, even the children of Israel and the things that they remembered when they were talking about going back to Egypt. What did they remember? The leeks and the onions. I don't even know who would like those things to begin with, you know. It'd be different if it was like steak and ice cream or steak and lobster, but they remember the, leek and the leeks and the onions and said, hey, you know, we wish that we were back there. But it's like, but what, what, wait a second, what about the beating and being a slave and being tortured? They didn't recall that. What do you remember in our lives that help you get back to a point where you're coming back to Christ? Do you remember when you were drowning in a sea of sin, going down for the last time, when you called upon his name? 
He reached down his nail-scarred hand and he lifted you out. So remember where you were back then and thank him for where you are now. Give him the glory for what he's done in your life. He took you from sin and strife and gave a new start. He took your broken life and made you complete. So take off those crowns of glory and cast them at the Savior's feet. You know how we get back. You know how we wake up. How we come to ourselves is remember God's goodness. Remember all the things good that God has done in your life. You know, I encourage you to write down answered prayer requests. So that time when we're facing difficulties, those times that we're facing trials and in a difficult time, we can go back and say, hey, I remember when God answered this prayer. And the Bible says that he is the Lord. He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember what God has done for your life. God loves you. You know what? Uh, uh, we've heard it said before, but wonderful things in the Bible I see, but this is the dearest, that Jesus loves me. Not only did he remember, he did something about it. You know what? could have stopped there. He could have been... He could have thought about it and said, hey, you know what? The position that I'm in and all that I'm dealing with and I've wasted all and no man has given it to me and I, I like to just eat this pig's food because it, it might satisfy even though it wouldn't have. And he remembers, hey, but back in my father's house, the people there, the servants had food enough to eat. And you know what I find sometimes in life? That's where we stop. As Christians, we say, hey, I remember when God did something great. And we think about revivals, or we think about the church services, or we think about messages where God has had an impact and God showed up in our life. And we sit and ponder that. But then we're not moved enough to action. And we just sit and say, man, be nice to get back to that place. But let me just tell you, you can. It just takes action. And it says, and I perish with hunger in verse number 18, I love this statement. He said, I will arise. You know what it takes? It takes action to say, hey, I'm going to get up out of this circumstance and I'm not going to let this situation control my life because God is still in control. And it says here, something took place. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, and I think this is where a lot of people stop with just the remembrance because not only is there remembrance, there has to be some repentance. And I think that's why a lot of Christians never get right is because they can't get over their pride to say, you know what, I messed up. Hey, you know what, I was wrong. The Bible says that he repented. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And again, in verse number 21, the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight am no more worthy to be called thy son. What a drastic change from the same prodigal son who said, give me, to now he's saying, you know what? I messed up. I was wrong. And by the way, it's okay to mess up. It's okay to fall. The Bible says a just man falleth seven times, but the difference is he riseth up again. Maybe it's time for some of us to arise and get back up. Because the devil wants to defeat us. The devil wants to discourage us. Whatever situation we may be facing. But let me just say this. God can still get the victory in our lives. There's some repentance that took place. What have we allowed to creep into our lives that we should say, hey God, you know what? I need to repent. 
I need to get right so that I can get back home. Notice he didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm still the son. Hey, you know what? I'm still, my father's still in charge and he still has all this. You know what I'm going to go do? I'm going to go reclaim my position. That's not how it works. There was some repentance that took place. You know what? Sometimes repentance doesn't take place because we're fearful of what's going to happen. You know what? Church should be a place. The next thing that I'll talk about is restoration. If somebody comes to church and they've been out for a while, you know what? Our first statement shouldn't be, where have you been? You know? Hey, been thinking about you, but no, you're living like the devil. So good to see you in church. You know, or maybe you're talking to him and you're like, I don't know if you should come to church. It might all burn down. What's well, not burned down with you there, amen? But restoration. Often we may remember, we may repent, we may think that rejection is going to follow. What is everybody going to think? I'll tell you what God is going to think. He's going to say, hey, welcome home. I love this illustration, but it says here, uh, the Bible says in, in verse number uh, let's look here in verse number 24. And when he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Well, his father never gave up on him. And Jesus is using this parable as an illustration. You know what it demonstrates? The heavenly father is always watching. He's always ready to restore us. But what does it take for restoration? Repentance. To say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. And what happens when we do that? We can restore that relationship that we found. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. But we need to take a step. You know what? God hasn't moved. God hasn't gone anywhere. Come home. And then lastly, I see the word rejoicing. In verse number 24, the Bible says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be Mary, have you lost your joy in your Christian life? Do you want to get it back? It's time to come home. It's time to wake up. It's time to come back to yourself. Come back to the Father. Oh, there may have been some rejoicing. There may have been some pleasure out in the world. You know, the Bible says that there's pleasure in sin. But you know, there's a caveat there. It's for a season. But you know what? To have lasting joy is in the presence of God's will. That's how we have lasting joy. Where are you tonight? Maybe it's the word rapacity. We're living our lives for ourselves. What can we get out of it? What can we get out of it? Maybe we're running from difficulties or problems. Maybe it's with riotous living. We're just living reckless, the decisions that we're making. Let me just say this. How did he get back on track? He remembered. Remember what God has done in your life. Hey, there's some repentance. Hey, I was wrong. I messed up. And then there's restoration and rejoicing. There was a race car driver named Dale Earnhardt. He was known for being so calm before races that occasionally he would take a cat nap just before the start. While other drivers would have a pulse in the 100 to 120 before his race, his would generally be less than 60. But on August 31st, 1997, at the Southern 500 race, Earnhardt unintentionally took catnapping to a new dangerous level. At the start of the race, Earnhardt fell asleep at the wheel. He went into a semi-conscious state, but kept on driving. When he reached the first turn, he hit the wall, 
but kept on going. At the second turn, he hit the wall again, but harder this time. He continued slowly around the track for two laps, looking for his pit, but unable to find it. Finally, he pulled off the track. Later, he would say that he remembered nothing of it. Sixteen doctors examined Erdhart to find out what happened. They found nothing uh, definite. The doctors didn't think the problem would recur, and they cleared him to continue racing. Frightening but true, it is possible for a while to drive over 100 miles an hour and yet to be asleep. In the same way, we can be busily racing through life, our eyes seemingly open, our hands on the wheel, our foot to the floor, yet spiritually asleep. But sooner or later, though, the trouble will show itself up. Maybe, I'm not sure where you're at tonight, but you know what? I believe that there's all areas that we can come to ourselves, that we can wake up and say, hey, you know what? Where am I at? Where do I need to be? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.